Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. If you're listening to this podcast right about now when this thing's coming out, I should be headed from Vegas to Irwindale Drag Strip to meet up with the Hot Rod Power Tour West 2023. That's what I've got going on this weekend, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to be doing a lot of video and uh, documenting that whole experience so I can share that with you guys on the podcast. I've seen a couple people do it before, and you know, being a VW guy, I've always been reluctant. Like, ah, I wonder if they let a VW on there. And then you know, I started looking at it, and I thought, oh, man, what the heck? I'm going on it, and I don't care. So my buddy and I are leaving uh, this morning. By the time you hear this, we're on the road, and um, we're going to be headed to uh, start the Power Tour West, and it goes from uh, Irwindale, California, and then it comes back to Las Vegas, and then from Las Vegas, it goes to Pomona. So it's a car show, autocross, drag racing, all that stuff. And I've entered the event. It's about 200 bucks to enter for uh, one car, two people. You get passes a goodie bag and some stuff like that. But it's more like a rolling car show that goes from drag strip to drag strip. So I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of it's kind of unique that I'm going to be leaving Vegas to go to Irwindale to come back to Vegas. But I want to do the long haul, so uh, we're driving there. I was contemplating towing my bus down and leaving a trailer there for Sunday night. So when I'm tired on Sunday, I don't have to drive the bus back because the bus is fun. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, that many hours in the bus, three hours there, three hours back, three more hours there, three more hours back. So that's uh, 12 hours in the bus, a nice needed break after that. But we'll go ahead and long haul the thing all the way, and uh, we'll see. Looking forward to this, hanging out with my buddy this weekend and getting ready to go do that. Wife bailed out on me last minute, so what can you do? Um, it didn't look fun for her. She's usually all on board for this kind of stuff, but this one's a little bit of a grind, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the experience and see what it's like and if there's anything that I can take away from it and add to the event that we do here in Las Vegas one crazy weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. I wish the bus was blistering fast and had the turbo installed and all that stuff, but maybe next year or maybe later on and I can grab a power tour on the Midwest because I think driving in a different location, you know, is much more exciting than the same roads that I travel on a constant basis. So that's where I'm at this weekend. So keep your eyes peeled on Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff. And I'll try to share as much as I can as I'm going through, but don't doubt. Uh, I will have a video when the whole weekend is done. I'll document the whole thing and we'll we'll put that experience together. Um, other thing that I've got coming out that I haven't kind of put a little clip out, I'll put a little you know two-minute clip out about shipping my Type 34 Gia to Andy Finch over there. Andy the Paint, if you follow him. Um, Spikes Vintage Restorations in the UK. So the Type 34 Gia, uh, I think it's in route. Uh, find out soon enough, but we're going to be documenting that whole process, getting that car done. Uh, I think I may have mentioned it before, a little blurb before, but we'll do a little detail talk about what's going to be taking place with that. Custom wheels I'm having made for it and some other things. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a good weekend. And this podcast is a great podcast to listen to if you're budget-minded and are looking to get some performance without breaking the bank. Jeff Lane with Caddyshack is on this week's podcast and we go uh, into the history of how Caddyshack got started, talk about their, um, you know, how they came to be and get into their drag car that they've had for years that they drive all the drag races and race it. And it's a street eliminator car. Pretty cool. You know, it's a cool story. And the Cadron Carb, Cadron, Cadrons, however you want to pronounce it, is a, you know, Brazilian Solex carburetor. 
that's made by Barosol in Brazil. We haven't done a deep dive on the history. We get a little bit of history with, with Jeff on here, but uh, maybe we'll do a super deep dive into kind of getting a little history on that company. Uh, if I can uh, maybe put some of those things together in the future. But this week's podcast is for those guys who are looking to squeeze a little bit of performance out, breaking the bank. You can usually find a set of Caterons at uh, your local swap meet. Usually they go pretty cheap if you're not in Southern California. And uh, they're definitely a great way to buck up some performance in your car and keep it budget-minded. And they're pretty reliable. Once they're in and they're dialed in, they're pretty, pretty solid. I know I've had them on a couple daily drivers of mine. And you just beat them up and keep moving. So uh, this is what this week's podcast is about. So I'm, I'm excited to bring this to you because I know a lot of you guys listen. You're tinkering your garage. You might have a 1600, 1776 single carb on there. Or you might have some dual Webers that are giving you a hard time. The the caddies are pretty easy. And if you want to go check out a cool website, go to Caddy Shack's website. They've got tons and tons of technical articles. He's got a link to his YouTube channel. He's got lots of cool uh, technical videos on how to do mods of the carbs and you know, getting things tuned and that, that type of stuff. So lots of DIY stuff on this week's podcast. So I'm excited to bring that to you. And don't forget, guys, do me a favor. If you love this podcast, share the podcast. I can't express to you how much it means to me when you guys share the podcast with your friends because your friends are the ones that listen. They're the hardcore VW people just like you. And they subscribe, they come along, and they share it with their friends. So let's keep growing the podcast. It's growing little by little. It's the biggest Volkswagen podcast that's out there, but it could always be a little bit bigger. Let's blow this thing up. You guys, me together, share it with your friends that love to get the history and the details behind the VW scene. Now, I uh, did want to give a shout out to my guy, Jason Cardenas, and he's out of Hawthorne, Nevada. Jason hooked me up, man, sent me a Christmas gift. I appreciate it. He cut me some magnets for the back of the double cab and the back of the Bull Run bus, and these are magnets that look like the uh, Octune or the Caution logos that typically go on there, but they're all about Let's Talk Dubs. So I appreciate you for shooting those down to me, Jason, man. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too, and uh, hopefully if you guys need any of this stuff, uh, hit him up, Jason Cardenas. He's been doing these for a long time. He's going to be, he sent me a note here, says, thanks for the entertainment on the podcast. Love all the interviews and knowledge it's provided been doing the custom magnets for years and I wanted to hook you up uh, single double cab and busser enclosed he's gonna be with the team amigo camp at buses by the bridge this year making them on site so um, they're also gonna be doing a bus event coming up at Walker Lake in May so as soon as he gets me information on that I'll pass it on to you guys if you guys are up in that Hawthorne Reno area maybe if uh, if time permits and schedule allows, we cruise up there and maybe meet up with them on their little camp out, maybe stop in for a day or whatever. That would be cool. But definitely wanted to appreciate Jason for sending those magnets, man. I'm stoked that, uh, I, you know, I just really appreciate when, you know, you guys create something and send it to me. We had that with Mr. Dan with the artwork, man, super dope homie hooked it up. And uh, just, I love when we, when we create and share with each other, man, because I mean, it might not look like it, but I, I create these podcasts and put them out there for you guys to enjoy because it'd be selfish for me to get all this information to myself and nothing would come to value from it other than a great conversation and making a friend. But when I'm able to document these and put them out there on the podcast, it's it's enjoyable to a lot of people that get some information, some history, or a little technical knowledge you didn't know before. So 
I'm glad that you guys are doing that. And don't forget, you guys want a shot on the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, leave your name in the description, and I will make sure to mention you on the podcast. And just like that, you'll get a shout out like Mustafa042. This is an awesome podcast, he says, for new VW people and the old heads. Love the content. Just so happened to buy a 67 Beetle right after the podcast dropped about one year only parts. Love the podcast and look forward to each one. Keep up the good work, man. Well, Mustafa, if that's your real name, <laughs> next time put it in the con, put it in the in the description so I can give you a direct shout out. But I appreciate you for giving us a five star review. Uh, you guys are you guys are awesome, and uh, I love giving back. Don't forget, guys. George is out there creating all these YouTube videos, so I'm gonna leave a link to George's podcast in the to George's how to videos, not his podcast, but his YouTube channel. My bad. Uh, but George got a YouTube channel, lots of cool technical how to George is real. George gets in the weeds when it comes to doing some of the technical stuff that he's doing a lot of how to videos. He just did an IRS conversion on his bus. Super rad wheels are standing straight up. So go follow George's YouTube channel. Go subscribe today. Make sure you like subscribe, comment, put tons of comments, nonsense comments. Be like, we're commenting because Bill told us to troll you. But George is the man, and he's doing a lot of hard work, cranked out these videos. He's doing a weekly thing now, and he's getting a taste of what I deal with with doing the podcast because you make a commitment because you love the hobby, and then it becomes something you love to do. So go follow George. Also, you can check out my YouTube channel as well. I just dropped a video a little bit ago with some awful audio. Don't kill me, especially being an audio guy. I ran into Meekum, shot a video real quick. I thought maybe I'll come back another day and do it. Didn't make it back the next day, so I used the content that I had. Surprised at what this bus went through. If you haven't seen this video, uh, I'll put a link to that video below as well, uh, as well as George's uh, YouTube channel. Go check out this video. Uh, 21 window bus sold at Meekum, no reserve, $51,000. Fair shape, decent, decent driver. Um, a lot of little issues with it, but you can check out the details in the pod, in the YouTube video that I have on my YouTube channel, which is separate from Let's Talk Dubs podcast audio. So let's get into it, guys. This week, oh, I forgot to mention our sponsors, man. Don't forget to support VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people by the people. Go check them out. Get your issue today. Subscribe at vwtrendsmagazine.com. And also our friends over at Ross Wolf, high-quality aftermarket parts for enthusiasts by enthusiasts. So go check them out today at Ross Wolf. So give our sponsors some support. And don't forget, Eric, our guy Eric, Dub Dog's book. Go check him out on Facebook. Search Dub Dog's book. He's got a rad book, Volkswagens and People's Pets, that belong to those Volkswagens. So it's a pretty awesome book. Go check it out. And you can use a code to get a discount. That code would be LTD Podcast, all one word, LTD Podcast for a discount on the Dub Dog's book. So go check them out. Google search Dub Dog's book or click the link in the description below. Well, now it's time to get into this week's podcast. So budget-minded performance, get your Cadrones, Cadrons, whatever you call them. Jeff Lane with Caddyshack on this week's podcast. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. So if you 
Okay, everybody, so on today's show, uh, as we're always out there trying to find the, the stuff that you guys are into, I know a lot of you guys are out there are budget performance minded, you want to get some performance out of your car and trying to figure out the best way to do it. I know there's a lot of you guys that have asked me questions about uh, performance carburetors and I've got today on our podcast, Jeff Lane, and he's with Caddyshack. Uh, he's out of Temple City, California, and he's been the guy for a long time that's kind of mainly been focused on the Cadrones, performance modifications, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate that, and hopefully we'll have a good time. Hey, I, I'm glad to have you on because i got a million questions, but and I and I know <laughs> you're kind of the, the, the Cadrone guy, but... What I want to do is, is the way we always start the podcast is what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Huh? Okay. Um, well, I guess we'll, we could go back a, a little ways. Um, when I was a kid, um, my mom had a 69 square back and my stepdad had a, uh, a Baja bug. And my stepdad actually owned a machine shop where he uh, ground crankshafts. Oh, really? So uh, I remember going over there on, you know, when it's Washington's birthday or whatever day I had off of school and I would go to the machine shop. And I remember like one of my earliest recollections, I think when I was like six years old, maybe mm -hmm. was, um, seeing all these crankshafts lined up. I mean, to, I mean, I don't, I'm looking back, I'm maybe 100, 150 of them all in a row on standing up on the floor. There's probably more than that. Um, and there was these big crankshafts and there's these little crankshafts. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember there were so many of the little ones. I remember asking, what are those? Are all those are crankshafts for a Volkswagen. So um, I, I, it's kind of funny how I still remember that. I don't know who it was called Carl's Automotive in Monrovia, California. I don't know. Maybe some old timer out there will remember who and what that really was. Um, but that's like my earliest recollection of Volkswagens. Hmm. And he was doing specifically Volkswagens or all kinds of crankshafts? No, he did all kinds. So there was a mostly V8 stuff, but I just remembered like a line of, of just hasn't been at least a hundred of them. And they were just standing up on ends on the floor in a big line waiting to get to the, the crank grinding machine. And I would stand and I'd watch grind crankshafts for like five minutes till I was bored. And then I wanted to go make paper airplanes or something. Huh. And so having that as your stepdad, did you kind of have an opportunity to kind of mess with, you know, mechanical stuff or, or build or mess with things at an early age? I didn't really, I, I didn't. Um, that was kind of a job for him. And, and I guess when he came home, we went fishing and did things that, you know, families do. Um, but I mean, that's like, I guess my earliest recollection of Volkswagen stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I know my mom drove one and he drove one and you know, and I eventually, when I became like 16, got my mom's car and then, um, you know, here we are. Right? So oh, your first car, it. your first car was the Squareback? It was a 69 Squareback. Yeah, the yellow one. Nice. And yeah. and when do you, and then at what point in the world do you, start, do you decide to 
get into carburetors where you just naturally like was it a lack of resources that you had to kind of work on your own stuff or you just were intrigued by it or, or what was the driving factor to that got you into kind of tinkering with the Volkswagens? Well, um, I kind of left the house by mutual agreement. Um, <laughs> when I was 18 years old, yeah. uh, and dad said, Hey, uh, what is it going to take to get you out of the house? And I said like 300 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> wallet and he gave me 300 bucks and I loaded everything I owned into the back of that Volkswagen Squareback and I had it towed away and it didn't run at the time <laughs> <laughs> I had it towed to a buddy's house and I lived there and um, I guess like a lot of us probably mm-hmm. when you're 18 years old and you have a Volkswagen you learn how to work on it because you don't have any other transportation and a 69, a 69 would have been fuel injected, right? It was fuel injected. And, uh, yeah. And I, I remember, you know, had a, having a job and I remember an old guy came in with a square back and it was a 69 and, and I was asking him about carburetors. Um, and, and actually I didn't even, I, I hadn't even thought of this story till right now. And, and he showed me, he had these little, uh, baby Weber's on his car and told me he had a 1641 and that was a big motor, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I blew that car up and I sold that car and then, you know, had a super beetle after that. And then, you know, uh, it's just, it's just, you know how it is. Yeah. It, it's just from there. The super beetle was my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is before everybody had like, you just had a bug. You were classified in the bug groups. And then it's everybody started like it was an early bug or late bug or super beetle or flat windshield, you know, and then you start learning all the yeah. differences, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember you, man, you open, you go and you'd open the magazines up, you know, and you, and you, oh man, this looks cool. I want to buy this. And every part in there said, <laughs> doesn't fit yeah. on your car. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I guess we all kind of go through that and, Man, I it that was a, it was a seventy what was that thing seventy it was a seventy five yeah and it was fuel injected but actually I didn't have fuel injection in it so that was I was gonna was say seventy five is the first year for fuel injected Beetle yeah it was a purple no it was a it was a black Super Beetle with like purple flames on the front man that was the cool it chromies oh, that yeah. was the cool yeah man <laughs> and the then sunroof. And how do you? Interior. And what what did color interior? A velour interior. Oh yeah, that, that, I mean, this is the the way of the '80s, right? It was like go grab a set of Honda Prelude seats and bolt them in the car, cover everything in black velour, get a center console, lower the front, and put some put some kind of chrome on the wheels, and you're dialed. Like it was the easiest car to fix up and just have it look cool, you know? Dude, I. I wish I had that car today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one day I will own a Super Beetle. And I, I would want a German look Super Beetle, but I, I definitely want uh, a Super Beetle because I think they're, it would be interesting to drive side by side a stock Beetle, a Beam Beetle, and a, and a McPherson Strut Beetle. I, I imagine it'd be a world of difference in, in the performance as far as how they drive. Yeah. Now, how do you start getting into messing with carburetors and all that kind of stuff? You know, how does that all come about? Oh man, we got to fast forward like a long time. I mean, I had a lot of Volkswagens 
you know, um, between now and then. I well, I don't know. I guess the Super Beetle. I I, I don't know how I got Cadrons, but somehow I did, and I think I had them on my Super. I did have them on my Super Beetle because when I sold the car, I had to take the engine out of it because it wasn't smog legal. In order to sell it. I sold it with no engine. I put the engine in, I think, in my Baja Bug or, I don't know, one of the Volkswagens. You know how it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't remember where they got. I know I didn't get them new. I couldn't afford, like, a $100 set of carburetors back then. Right, right. And 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 it was back in the days when, I mean, when we're all younger, right, we're, we're all the last thing we have is money for car stuff. So it's like, Hey, you bought some parts. There's a couple pieces. You're collecting a manifold. You got a carburetor. And it's like, you put together a set of dual carbs, man. And you're on cloud nine. I mean, it doesn't even matter. And you look back at stuff and you're like, man, they were junk. And it was like, everything was mismatched and whatever. But it's like, all your idea was if I can put dual carbs in this thing, man, it'll, it'll turn this thing into a, a beast. <laughs> exactly. And it, and it did. And it, it sparked my whole, my interest in, in it all like oh, man I got, I got a race car now man right fastest and thing from I, light I, to light like uh, like Thursday man you Thursday you'd get lunchtime on your lunch break you'd run down to 7-Eleven because the recycler came yeah and, and you would open the recycler and you'd go to the Volkswagen section and, and you could buy a car for $200 somebody else's problem or five hundred dollars or you could buy carburetors in there you could buy hubcaps or whatever i mean it was like the thursday deal man right you, yeah you, we'll get the recycler <laughs> oh yeah well you know by that time i'm you know i remember i would go i think it'd be like wednesday night late at like one o'clock in the morning when they would be delivering them for thursday and i'd go to the Seven <laughs> Eleven and get them and try to jump on i mean i can't even tell you how many sets of Porsche alloys and stuff that I, and that's here in Vegas, you know, and this is back when, right. when the and when the recycler came here, like in the early nineties. So for us, it was like, dude, no way the recycler. Cause it was free to place an ad. And so everybody would just post stuff on there. And then it was, man, it was, I can't tell you how many deals I got. And then quickly, shortly after that, the internet explodes and everything goes online. But, uh, so with, with the dual carbs, like, so are you, as throughout your hobby of owning Volkswagens, are you doing your own engine work and that kind of stuff? Or are buddies asking you for help? I mean, how do you get to the point where you start yeah. messing with the, the Cadrones? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, as a Volkswagen owner, you kind of gravitate toward people with similar illnesses, you know? Right. Um, and you find my, like, I had a buddy, Jeremy, and, and a buddy, Dave, and Dave had a Volkswagen, Jeremy had a Volkswagen, and and you know he Jeremy called me up. Hey, dude, I need to like, can you help me tow my car because it's broken? And yeah, so you know you go help him, and he'd help you. And and Friday night you'd go get beer and work on somebody's Volkswagen, and and it was just life. And dude, we didn't know what we're doing, you know. And you blew something. <laughs> you just you just fixed it, and you I didn't have any money. I didn't have I just you know a couple of hand tools and. You know, I look at the stuff that I did back then, and we all do, and we go, wow, man. But these, it, it somehow, it would, you know, you put that tranny in and get to work on Monday and whatever you had to do. Right. You know, or buy some car out of the recycler. And I remember doing that with a couple of buddies would go in and we'd be pitching 100 bucks. We'd buy a car, we'd strip the car of everything we 
wanted, put all the crap from our cars on that car, and we'd sell it the next week. Oh yeah, you know, feedback, and we just get a bunch of free parts. Yeah, I remember buying a. I bought a '67 Beetle out of some lady's backyard. It had been in an accident for like her son 25 years prior. She didn't know what happened to the title to it, so I was like, "Well, no, no." I remember, in fact, I had the title for it because. I sold the title separately and I took it to Pomona. It was a yellow 67 beetle and I just cut it up right there in a spot. I towed it down there <laughs> and I was like, what do you want? Front apron, 50 bucks, cut it off. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm doing that with us like 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I bought the car for a hundred and I think by the time I was done at the end of the swap meet, I'd made like 800 bucks just parting the thing <laughs> out right there. And it was, right. you know, but what's interesting is, you know, the people that gravitate to Volkswagens, are usually people from not a lot of means, right? And they're there because it's like, well, if your parents make good money and you got a you get a good job as a busboy or something like that, you can afford a payment and you go get a mini truck. Or if you still want to be cool, you go buy a hundred dollar Volkswagen, slam it over the weekend, primer it, and show up at school with some you know with some Porsche nipple hubcaps and you got a custom car, you know. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it's 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 interesting that I find out that the VW people out of necessity just have a tendency to be so resourceful and just will try to make anything work. And, and like you were saying earlier, I, I remember nights where it was like, okay, tonight we're gonna drop my motor, paint all the engine tins since I got to do a new clutch. We'll just do, all, we'll just paint all the engine tins, do all that stuff. But I got to get it back to work by ten thirty, back in the car by ten thirty because I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, and to right. be, it's like all these things you didn't realize at the time are like these hero mechanic things to do overnight. But it was like if you had a friend that had like a garage you could work in, that was a double bonus because usually most of it was done in the driveway. On the street, in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. So and then like when do you d discover like because tuning carbs in and of itself is kind of a little bit of a little bit of an art, you know, after a while, like it takes a little bit of having the patience to realize the synchronicity of carburetors in general, just getting them synced the same. Cause that's, you know, my brother George has got that shop, the wagon and he does, a, I mean, he's really, really good at tuning carbs and stuff like that. And it's just like, he can hear a car drive it. It makes him insane. And he's like, <laughs> he just hears it rev. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's really annoying. And there's different linkages and all the stuff that throw everything out of whack, but it really requires a little bit of patience to be able to sit there with, a set of carburetors and just, just dialing the linkage to begin with, you know? Well, yeah, I, I guess I agree with that, but I wasn't one of the smart guys. So I never, well, I had Weber, so, you know, I bought my Baja, my, my 1957 oval window, mm -hmm. which I, in 1991, um, I still had that car. It's about oh, 40 feet from me right now. Wow. Uh, and that was like, I was going to build a car you know well there's no internet there's no whatever you have a book and whatever friend and you know i i went down to um johnny speed and chrome mm -hmm. and i saved up my christmas money or whatever it was you know at all this time and i and i bought a roll cage kit man and i came back and i all the pre-bent pieces and i laid them all out and i'm like okay this will go here this will go there and then, like, the next weekend, I bought a roll cage kit of all pre-bitted pieces. And the weekend after that, I bought a pre-bit roll cage kit of all the pre-bit pieces and a bumper, a rear bumper. And 
with all those pre-bent pieces and no help and no internet, um, I built a roll cage. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I didn't have a bender. So I just made the piece that was going to be the hoop. I, okay, well, we'll cut this. We'll make that angle go through the firewall and tie in the front beam. And I mean, I just kind of a mad scientist, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the cage is still together, dude. And it's still there. And oh, and I bought a bunch of straight pieces from the IPS industrial pipe and supply or something like that. Nice. A bunch of straight, uh, just, you know, not it's just mild steel inch and a half tubing. And, uh, and I built all these things and the rear, the bumper that I bought actually, um, fits, perfectly you know i cut it all up and the curve in the bumper fits you know those fiberglass buggy seats mm -hmm. rear seats yeah so i was able to fit that all in and it matched the contour of the rear bumper so i welded little tabs out of that and no nice <laughs> dude it's a frankenstein deal but it works man and i've never broken anything in that car other than manufactured parts obviously um but it, so, you know, I guess that was a way of um, just doing things. I just like to work with my hands and, you know, I wasn't, you know, the guy who got good grades and did doctor kind of studying stuff. I just worked, did what I could. Yeah. And with what money I had and, and it was cool. So now I have, I got to bust that thing out again. It's, it's, it needs an engine and I need to get off my butt and build an engine for it and get it back out there. But it kind of became kind of a famous car. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen it on the internet. Uh, everybody that I ever show a picture to said, Oh, I've seen that. Um, and it's, um, so I, I built all that and I did all this stuff and I don't know. And then you, you, then you put it aside for a couple of years and then you come back to it and you've probably been around this and you're not like constantly working on it, but it's, it's, it's like the ocean, man. It's like high tide, low tide, I guess, you know, the yeah. tide goes in and, you know, your interests go somewhere else and then you do something else and then you buy another car and you buy a bus or you buy this or that, or then you get tired. Man, I broke it. That's what happened. I broke it. My wife, I had to call my wife and I was down by Disneyland and have her come get me. And then I had to go get the car and get towed home. And the next day, and I'm like, finally, I'm like, dude, I can't drive this thing every day anymore. I break things in it and I'm tired of it. At that point, I just went out and bought a new car that Saturday, and then I just put this car in the garage for a while, you know, and then I came back to it later, and, and I built it all up again and put, like, these three-by-three three trailing arms on it and the centerline wheels and king shocks and all this big thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I finally had to say, it's all painted, it's all done, it's nice, it's like, this is like a really car, cool car to drive. And... By then, I was old enough and smart enough to know that you just don't go to the desert and something like that by yourself. Right. Am I? Am I rambling, dude? No, 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 no. Exactly right. I mean, you you got to bring some backup with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? So I got on this place called the Samba, and I'm like, all right, does anybody want to go? And everybody wants to talk about this and da 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 da. So I decided I'm going to start like. I'm going to start a Baja club. Yeah. We're going to call it SoCal Bajas. And so I it's like, okay, we're going to do a SoCal Bajas run and we're going to do this and that. And, and okay, there's all these people where they want to show up and they want to do, and I went out and we go to do the first run and the first meet up here, in the local mountains out here. 
and nobody showed up and I just did it myself and then I posted pictures of it and everybody's like oh man I want to go so somebody has pictures <laughs> so uh, then we came back we had a meeting there was four of us and then there was there was yeah me and uh, the, the four of us we had a meeting and, and we decided hey we're going to meet once a month and then four of us turned into six of us and eight of us and now we started a website and had t-shirts and now um, that thing is out of control, dude. There's just, just it's SoCal Bajas. I have a big Facebook page. There's, I don't know, a thousand members or something. Really? Uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, it's kind of a big deal over here. Um, there's, there's people in Nevada in it. <laughs> nice. Uh, in Arizona. And, and, uh, we did these runs and we, man, I have a t-shirt runner somewhere. I, I think we did like, 38 runs in the first couple of years and we made like a like a world tour t-shirts <laughs> listed cool. all the runs. we made these videos and every time we'd make a video we'd do a run and more people would show up and then you know you'd break things and the whole deal was just like you'd have 20 cars out there 25 cars and then somebody break everybody stops everybody gets out their toolbox and they start fixing everybody's cars and hey man you got a fuel pump yeah i got a fuel pump oh okay cool dude you know you got a tie rod in, this guy broke this, we got, and it was just, it ended up, it was really, really fun, dude. It was really fun. Yeah. And then from, from that and, and getting that stuff going and, and, you know, kind of working and creating and having a community coming together like that. Um, right. Where, like, where do you like realize the potential of the Cadron carburetor? Okay, so so that's where it's all tying in. So mm -hmm. sorry. For yeah, that. yeah, no worries, no worries. This is what this is I, what this is about. This is um, the long version. So well, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we're in. We're like the Baja Club guys. We're like, hey man, uh, somebody's like, let's go to the Classic together. You know, mm -hmm. like let's go to the VW Classic. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in, man. Let's we'll all buzz down there and we'll like show up the big dirty guys or whatever, you know, and we'll go to the Classic and we'll just hang out and it was fun and. So I, I went in and I, I didn't have any money. So uh, I bought 300 bucks from my teenage kid. And I said, hey, I'm going to go to Classic. And I might see something I want. So I go over there and I see carburetors laying all around, you know, to swap me. Because you're always doing, you know, whatever. And it's like, right. oh, but for these, all oh, 50 bucks. Okay, I'll take them. How, how much for these? That's oh, 25 bucks. And so I ended up coming home with a, just a huge box of carburetors. <laughs> and then... Because I think I had I had the bus by then, and I had drones on my... Oh, no, I wanted to put drones on my bus by then. So I put the... ended up um, putting carburetors on my bus um, from... Then I picked up the swap meet. The guy's like, oh, man, they come off a running car, right? I'm like, oh, I'll put them on a the bus. You know, a 1600 net thing. It's hard to drive up the hill to Hunga over here. You don't go to work in that thing. Right. Like, give me an hour. I don't want to do wheelies in that thing or whatever, but we get some power. And so I put the carbs on and started it up and it, well, it didn't start up. And I turned the key and turned the key and turned the key. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I was like, man, what's going on? You know? So I got out, I went and there's a big, there's like a three foot puddle of gasoline in my driveway. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, dude. So, you know, the carbs come off and, and, uh, and I, I, just, you know, I put some gaskets in them. I'm going to rebuild them, right? I put the gas, some gaskets in them. That'll fix them. So um, I took them out, and they had any, there was no floats inside the carburetors. 
Oh, wow. So you're just pumping, pumping them full of fuel and it's just coming right out. Yeah. So yeah, make a long story short that, you know, I had to change the oil in that engine and that engine didn't last long after that. Um, it was the whole crankcase was like full of gasoline. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, there's got to be a better way. So it, it ended up fixing those and then doing whatever. Oh, I had to cut some linkage up to make some stupid shit work with that. And um, and then, you know, I, it's just all this time, dude, all this time. And everybody's called still, man. And, and everybody, we're running into the swap meets. It's that same line, dude. They came off a running car. Right. <laughs> Ran when parked. Yeah. That bothers me, dude. It really bothers me. Because I got, I got host, man. And. And it sucks. And, it, and I'm like, I guess I'm like, I mean, I'm still, I had a real job then, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd go to work and then, you know, I'd come back and I'd maybe fix some carburetors and like sell them on Samba or whatever. Our buddies are like, hey, can you do this? And I'd, you know, learn and do and make mistakes and, 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 um, and it, just learn. And, I just figured there had to be a better way. I'm like, I, I just felt bad. And I felt like, man, maybe somebody could build carburetors, you know? And so I started doing that for Volkswagen money, you know, to support my, sure my addiction. So and there's a lot of people that do that. I'm sure you run into those guys all the oh, time. Yeah. That's a I mean, damn that, industry. That, that's half the, it's, it's exactly, it's half the industry started because it was just a hobby for somebody. And they're like, wow, I didn't realize there was such a need for this. And especially when you're honest and reliable and dependable, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's yeah. a big deal, you know, because, and that's what happens. Like a, a guy like you who's looking to be treated fair, doesn't get treated fair. And you're like, you know, I ought to do something about this. You yeah. Know? And that's, and that's kind of how it happened. And then it, it just kept evolving. We still kept going and end up building for the Baja guys and, you know, and then we're like, Oh man, like we need to, these don't work, work as well off road. So like, I'm like, I got an idea. We can fit the float pole. We could weld a piece over here and, and then like, let's try this out and then let's try this out. And then, um, and then, and then the economy was, well, I don't know, whatever that was all those 14 years ago when the economy tanked. And, right. Oh, wait. And I've been in the motor home and the RV industry for 18 years at that point and, uh, had a very stable job and I was very happy and was, that was going to be my career. And then, then I took like a 40% pay cut at my job and then, and then working on carburetors became a, a part of a job. I work 40, 40 hours a week and I'd come home and I'd work on carburetors and I'd start selling them and got a little more serious. And, um, and that's kind of how the transition went. And I was like, well, these, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like the controls. I'd like those they just they're simple carburetor right that's they're, what they're real simple they're real simple and once you got they're, them figured out you're kind of they're, no they're not <laughs> and i ran into a lot of the till they're not um, yeah and it took you know and i built like i you know me uh by now uh i like okay well i need a fixture that's going to hold this thing at this angle while i drill this hole so i weld all these crazy contraptions together and i still have them. we still use them yeah for a whole carburetors in a spot where we can get the drill press on or we can get another piece in there and have the right angle of the thing and you feed it and um and it just kind of got more serious from there and then eventually um eventually i was laid off from my job and i just was a, a, a member of a car club that met down here at tommy's 
called SDR, Stat DeRozan. Mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't a member. I was never fully jumped in, but it's a block from my house. And, and you know, we were there every Friday night. And that's where I met Miguel. And, um, and so I got laid off. And I, I went in that Friday night. And I was like, hey, dude, so I got laid off. If anybody needs work on their car, um, I'll just, you know, I'd be happy to work on it at the house. And and I uh, started working on Volkswagens. And that's kind of how it started, I guess. And then you just, I mean, because, you know, opportunity opened itself up and you thought, hey, I can make a living doing something else. And I really enjoy this. It's my hobby. And then as you start to pursue that and you see there's some viability, I mean, working out of your house is one thing. And then opening up a shop is something else, right? So, I mean, how does... Yeah because that's a big step to take because then it's getting serious right now you're getting overhead attached with it you got rent due every month you know there's there's a yeah there's a whole thing there so um you did you you started slowly building up the workflow until like all of a sudden you're like you know what this is too much to do out of my garage yeah i guess it sort of happened like that it was like well the bridge the gap there we were so at one point I had like eight or 10 Volkswagens in my driveway at the time. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a very lovely lady and she's been very patient with me and she understands me. We've, I mean, we met in high school, we dated in high school. So, you know, we go back a little ways. Um, so she understands my, my faults more so than I do probably at this right. point. Um, and we were, you know, kind of working through it i mean it's just what you got to do and i didn't i didn't want to get a real job i just i just felt like i was let down by a career that i had pursued for so many years and i figured you know if i could do this in an economy that is really tanking um if the economy ever comes back i might actually have a viable thing here so um miguel was living here up the street at the time so he would come over and he'd watch me build carburetors and do stuff during the day and he'd just hang out and he'd just you know, and I finally I'm like, you just get a broom or do something just, you know, and so he and I kind of got married per se at that point. Right. As we guys yeah. decided, Hey, we can make a team. We can make a good team here doing yeah. this together. It come in and out and we, you know, and we've had some employees and some things, but we kind of shared a like-minded vision of things and we always wanted to do the right thing. And, and not, you know, and just be good people, man. It's just, and do something that was fun. And then let me tell you, at, at some point, your hobby becomes um, something you enjoy doing becomes something you have to do. And that's the point that was hard. That's that's what made it really hard because right. I don't, dude, I'm a bad guy. I don't want to work on cars anymore for somebody else. You know, and it's one thing when you're like out there in the middle of the night and you're, and you're, you know, cussing at your own car right. and screaming and, and, you know, you go inside, your wife says, what's wrong? And you, you go, well, nothing, man. It was, I had a great night, you know, right, <laughs> and, right. and then throwing tools. Oh yeah. That's just part of the whole thing. Um, but I guess at some point, you know, I just, yeah, I could, I, I didn't want to work on the cars part anymore. And we were building carburetors still. They were starting to ship them in from all over the country. And I was getting carbs from Australia and Europe and, stuff and and 
we're like, okay, well, you know, we can, we still worked on cars, I guess, over when we moved into the shop, but a buddy Brian of mine had come over too. And he'd come over every night after work and he, Hey, what do you guys do today? You know? And we just hang out. It just kind of became a, a thing. It came a little center, a little town center of Volkswagens. Right. A little map, you know, people in the neighborhood stopped by. What you doing, dude? You know? And Brian came over one day and he said, hey, Jeff, there's a there's a shop that's got a roll-up door 100 yards down the street from your house. We need to go get go look at it. Like, write the phone number down. Let's call a realtor. I'm like, nah, dude, we can't do this. That's like a big step, like you say. Right. That's a yeah, and no lie, dude. We yeah, within a week we were in there, <laughs> and, and you're like, it's, "Okay, uh-huh. I guess we're doing this right." <laughs> yeah, and we're like, "We're gonna try." And that's where we started. That's where we were, and, and we just moved out of that place. Oh, really? And we years. How how long are you there? We were at that building for like ten years. I think we did it out of the house for a year and a half, two years. Wow. Well, actually, I did it more before Miguel but we were there 10 years that's insane and then so and then how does the name Caddyshack come about I mean in hindsight it's obvious but where where does that come from well um I was with a buddy of mine at again I think it was Rick Rick QRP Rick I don't remember who his last name is uh-huh but we decided, he was another Baja guy, and we just said, hey, you know, let's go out to the swap meet and we'll sell some stuff, because I had a bunch of stuff by then, man. You know, that is. Uh, you accumulate stuff. And like, let's go sell some stuff. And then I remember driving out there, you know, uh, with a, uh, a whole load of drone carburetors. And, you know, people ask, well, you know, that's a big question. You, you'll probably ask, it's probably on your agenda. It's like, are they drones? Are they cadrons? Are they cadrons? Right. You know, what's the... So I, I just started calling them caddies. And then Rick and I were talking and we were like, well, why don't you just be the caddy shack? <laughs> okay. That sounds cool. Like that's, you know, people remember that. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So we're the caddy shack and that's how that all came about. And now how much do you think the Samba helped launch your business just because of that community online? Um, I think a lot, really. I mean, I mean that, that, it was, it's an up and coming thing. And is at that point, it still is a, a big deal. You know, I was on there as a hobby. Um, the Facebook stuff wasn't what it is today. And the social media wasn't there, you know, and there right. was a place where gather. It was a, it was a, a, you know, your little church or whatever of Volkswagens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it definitely, I, I remember going on a vintage bus back in the day and stuff like that. And you go on some of these sites and it's like all of a sudden it just changes everything. It makes the world super small. And now you can see what's happening, you know, in the UK, in whatever. So if you're going down the rabbit hole of what people are doing with this particular off, you know, the set of wheels that you think is so rare, then you start going down the rabbit hole and you find out, well, there might be rare where you are at, but everywhere over here, they've got 40 million sets of them, but it's right. the cool thing here or it's something different over there, you know? So uh, I think the Samba, you know, and I've been chasing Everett for a long time, trying to get him to come on the podcast because I think it's, it, it, it's such a neat story to be told of, you know, how, how much the, I think the Samba and the timing of the generation and us being the generation of people that are actually, you know, internet savvy enough to where forum boards were our thing, because forum boards have kind of died a little bit. 
Um, and it's yeah. become more Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff. But right. I, I think the, the yeah, Baja's had a farm board too. We've got pretty big stuff too, but yeah, it, beca- it became something else. You yeah. Say. And I think that timing with the generation and all that stuff has just propelled it to be another one of those things that just made Volkswagens now, as we're all kind of getting a little bit older, as popular as they are and making it to be such a legitimate thing. And, and, you know, so many businesses have been started because a guy wants to rebuild whatever taillights, speedos, windshield wiper motors, you name it. Right. Someone wants to rebuild it. Next thing you know, the guy's busier than he can handle. And he thought it was just going to be a weekend job. And all of a sudden he's got, you know, it's like, <laughs> I got, I got to raise my price or something because I'm too busy because everybody's just throwing everything at me. So yeah. now with, with the process of, of starting to do, so let's break down the Cadron a little bit or Cadron or Caddy or however you want to call it. Because, uh, I mean, do, do you know the history of the carburetor, like where it comes from, how how it I mean, were they were they manufactured for Volkswagens for a particular model of Volkswagen? Or was this always an aftermarket carburetor for a, a couple of different cars that was adapted for a Volkswagen? Well, what I what I can gather and what I know from what I've researched and whatever and you know there may it may be wrong or maybe right or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know but they were a carburetor that was they were putting on jeeps and like other engines in brazil and um in the late 60s and there's a company down in brazil that would buy volkswagen chassis and they would they would build their own car on that chassis and it was called puma which i'm sure you've heard of Yep, i've owned one you've owned one so and then puma decided that it was a little sports car Mm -hmm. and they wanted to be faster so they built their own manifolds and they adapted this jeep carburetor to it and made their linkage for it and then i think from what i'm gathering cadrone company who was a who was a distributor they were kind of like the mp of of uh brazilian parts back then they sold exhaust they sold window winders they i mean you've heard of exhaust but oh yeah I, got, I have an exhaust on my uh on my uh, guia tc it has a cadron a cadron yeah. exhaust on there they they had wheels mm-hmm. uh they built i mean they had a whole catalog i have one of those catalogs in my little cadron museum oh really uh, of collectible things yeah um Tom, the owner of Scat, gave me a catalog from back in the day from them. Um, and uh, see, it's like a whole catalog of things. Like, you know, wow, they have all the seats and whatever else. And they, they actually build cars also. And, and I don't know if you know that or not, but Cadron actually built cars. They, it was like a, it was a fiberglass car. It was a weird Frankenstein-looking, um, Myers-Manx kind of looking thing on maybe Myers-Manx on whatever Charles Manson drugs that he took right it was weird but you can find them out there just pictures on the on the internet um and then so the cadron 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 caddy whoever company um started importing those or exporting them out of brazil and importing them into the united states and then they kind of caught on and when i was a kid i mean you'd go and you'd bust out your hot vw's and You'd see Weber's for four hundred dollars, and you'd see Cadron's for one hundred and twenty-nine or one hundred fifty-nine dollars, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, okay, I, I, I could do that, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. And they're attainable, you know, they're attainable. Yeah, it's like an entry-level set of dual carburetors. And, you know, they say mathematically the VW engine is one and a half times under-carbureted, and it, and it kind of stands to reason, right? They, they want to build a car that that the engine's overbuilt, and it's got and it's efficient on the intake side and efficient enough where you can floorboard the throttle and not blow the motor up. You know what I mean? Right. And it'll run in North Africa, and it'll run in Alaska. Right. And, you know, Switzerland or whatever, you know. Yeah, so it was over, over designed. I, I don't know, underpowered. Yeah, so that's we all wanted to go faster. And when you're a kid, you want to go faster. When you're an old fat guy, you want to go faster. And it's just funner being faster. Right. Right. No, without question. I mean, you know, and and if your barrier to entry becomes really affordable because now they've become so inexpensive you know, or you can just pick up a, I mean, you go to the swap meet and buy a set for 50 bucks because some guys like, yeah, these old junky carburetors, because, you know, it, it, because they made them for single ports as well. Didn't they single ports and dual ports? Yeah. Yeah, and, totally. I mean, you could wake up a 1600 single port, like nobody's business with a set of drones on there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And we've done all these dyno techniques. Later on, we invested in dyno and all this testing. We built all sorts of crazy stuff and did, you know, all sorts of neat things, experimented and failed a lot um, and succeeded a lot. And, you know, on our dyno, we have before and after tests of, of putting them on a stock 1600. And, and realistically, it, you get 50% more horsepower. It's like putting two more cylinders on that engine. Really? And so, on dyno. so on a 1600 dyno, what's a typical number that you would see like on a, on a dyno from a stock I, motor on our website somewhere. Um, but if I remember right, we were at like 39 horsepower on the dyno with a stock 1600 stock exhaust and ended up, um, when you end up putting carbs in just a whatever quiet pack or a stinger or whatever on it, um, we ended up at 60. I remember six zero, and then we ended up at sixty three horsepower when we put one four rockers on it with a sixteen hundred. It's stock. I mean, old tired. There's pictures of it on the website. There's old tired, and we and actually that was just one of them. We did several of them. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but you know, so getting the motor to breathe, obviously, it's an air pump, right? More air in, more air out, more performance, right. and mm -hmm. so being able to do that. Now, now when you started. So you start tinkering them to figure out these are pretty easy to tune and get them dialed in. What's your first step? Let's say like somebody says, what kind of stuff does Caddy, does Caddyshack do for my carbs? And what different levels, is there different levels of stages of performance modifications for these carburetors? Well, yeah, I mean, it, we build them for everything. So, I mean, I've built them for 1300s. I've built them for 2332s. Um, displacement is one piece of the calculation. I mean, you're looking at compression ratio. You're looking at what size exhaust you're running, whether you're going to run off-road or on-road. You're looking at, you know, whether it's a show car. We have different air clean. I think we have 13 or 15 different air cleaner setups that we can do. Um, you know, is, is it, you know, your basic 1776, 110 cam? Is it, you know, maybe a mini stroker, 1968 CC with, you know, some CB heads or some ported heads or something on it, 10 to one compression. Um, I mean, we can match anything and make it run pretty well. 
And then uh, for people, let's say somebody's listening to this podcast that like there's a set sitting in their garage somewhere and they're like, I'm listening to this podcast, man. I'm going to call, I'm going to call Jeff up and find out like, okay, what are my things to do? I mean, is there a couple steps you can walk them through and say, okay, start a here, B there, C there. And of course he's probably got a 1600 or a 1776. Doesn't know what cam it is. Just a street motor running a single carb. You know, he's going to switch it over. So are there like, what are some of the mods? Let's say that you would do with them that like, okay, if you can't do any mods, at least do this to the carburetors. <laughs> What's that? You or do you want to spit gas out in your driveway like I did? Yeah. What, what did you say? Set the, did you say set the floats? Send them in. Oh, send if them in. If you can't do anything else, send them in. Yeah. And so um, what, I mean, if you're going to run them, run them. If you want to take your chances on it, that's fine too. And we're going to help you through that. But when you call us and you say, hey, it's doing this. And we're going to say, well, we haven't seen the carbs. We don't know, you know, bro, there's like hundreds of things with these carbs, all these different generations. They still make these at Bro's Hold, the factory down there um, in Brazil, the same place that's always made them. They haven't gotten any better. Um, in some ways, they've gotten worse. In some ways, they, they're the same. Um, but there's generations that have a certain accelerator pump tube that tends to crack or spit out the end or there's certain generations that have this casting flaw that we need to drill an extra hole and put a pipe a little a plug in it uh, a, a, a 1 16th inch plug so it blocks a vacuum passage that does this so if it backfires it doesn't da 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 um, there's throttle body bushings are different I mean the, the thing about these that has been known since the beginning of time is that the throttle body bushings wear out, you know, and you could right. take a brand new out of the box and we do that every single day. And the throttle body bushings are pretty bad in most of them. Just a Almost lot of slop because of the manufacturing process is right. just like. They, they've changed the design of the throttle body bushing several times. They had this one and a half millimeter wide design in the early ones and they took certain tooling to get that one out and machine it out. And then they went to a later design after we started using our 10 millimeter wide ones. It looked like the factory did that, but then they're putting them in loose. And then now dude, in the last month, they're using plastic, plastic bushings in these things. Now are those the so, ones that are being sold by MP now? Or are those just bar sold through MP? Yeah. MP made a deal with them back in the day. Um, where they were exclusive. So you can't get these, nobody can get them inside the country without smuggling them in um, other than going through empty. So they have an exclusive deal with Brosol, um that they, that Dan negotiated way back at the beginning of time. So when Cadron or Cadron or whoever went out of business, Empy jumped on that and, and that's who you got to get them through. So, you know, Ampy has since knocked off the carburetor. We tried those too, and we've got videos on that. And you know, hey, I'm up for that. If there's new technology, they, you know, they they redesigned them and redid them, and they knocked them off. They made them in China. And you know, I, I can say from testing that um, we were going to work on those for. You know, we made a legitimate try, and we couldn't get them really to run the way we were happy with them. They would run, but you didn't want to be on the other end of the phone call with a customer. So in your you opinion, know. in your opinion, an original set of uh, the Solex Cadrones is the way to go. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's what we'll work on. I won't work on anything else. 
you know? Because you guys, you, you looked at the MP and said, oh, you know, we, we can probably do our mods to this and that, and they've changed them just enough to where it's just... Yeah, we've, done, we've done a lot of that, and we just you know, I had them in my car for a while. I mean, we tested them, we took them to the track, we did back-to-back tests on them, we did all sorts of things. They have different threads. We had to drill stuff out and retap stuff and da 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 And um, after all that and all the jetting and the different things that we would do to these, it, it, we just could never get a flat spot out of them. So I'm, we're just like, uh, we're I'm done, you know? So yeah. it's just, I, I don't need to I did work on something that we, is, we just don't feel is going to work as, right. as, as battery was. And you know, there's probably plenty of people out there that, that get them to work okay. But man, I, I'm on the phone on the other end of that phone with people a lot that bought them and they're like hey you know i bought these for 300 or whatever they are <laughs> and you're getting and, you're getting ear raped for half an hour and you're like hey man i got i really got to work i really want to help you but i got i got like well, yeah you know what you i mean help the guy, but you're like you mean and i'm just up front when honest with them like hey look I'm, I'm gonna be i'll give you what i got but you gotta understand that i i don't know how to do them either so yeah whatever i got to give you is here it is which, but, which, by the way, your website, which is, uh, what is it, caddyshack.com? Yeah, caddyshack.com. Um, it's got a ton of free information on there, for, like people that want to tune their stuff and do that. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a lot. you got a lot of technical videos on there. I mean, it, it's huge. I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of insight for someone that's looking to learn, especially somebody that's listening listen to this podcast somewhere and – you know, wants to figure out like they've got a good running set and they want to kind of tune them in a little bit or whatever. There's a lot of, I mean, you got a lot of stuff there. They get, they roll up their sleeves. It's Friday night. They, you know, get a beer out of the fridge. Their buddies come over. Hey, let's put on these carbs. And then they run into something and they're like, well, now what do I do? Well, you could wait till Monday morning or you could go to our website and the answer is probably there. Right. So we spent a lot of time on that. And there's a, a lot younger guy in a lot of those videos, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I was a lot younger than we, I think we need to refresh some of those videos now. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, you stay young, stay young forever on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But the, but the info's there for that guy who's got a question on Saturday morning or, you know, or. Well, and I a, think that's also a testament to your, commitment to trying to do what you can to help people out to thinking about if you were on the other end of that any information right. that doesn't really cost you anything to just give out there to help people do some things to get some things figured out is it's beneficial and it's helpful now it, with respect to the 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 cadrons versus like a set of dual 40s the basic differences between the two is the single barrel carburetor versus a dual barrel carburetor. It's a much right. bigger diameter of a carburetor, obviously, because it's one versus two, right? Well, you pull air from through one cylinder at a time, right? Right. So, so is it big? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, some of the benefits, in your opinion, that make the cadron more like user-friendly and and those types of things for somebody that's saying hey man i, I want i want a little street performance and i'm thinking about dropping a grand on a set of you know 44 idfs you know and you're like right. you might get the same and what's a guy going to spend for a set they call up caddyshack and say hey i'm going to buy a, i just want to buy a set of carbs that you guys have gone through that like they, they might be new or rebuilt but it's like 
send me the package for my 1776 street motor. 1776, I have to look it up, but you're probably going to spend a minimum of 1060 bucks. And that's going to be dialed in, all the tricks done to them, everything ready to go, bolt on. With and the, the high-flow kit and all the little things. I have 1100 bucks, maybe. I don't know. We have a little thing on our website that you you can go through and click the boxes. Mm-hmm. Like if you go on Apple's website, you can build a computer. You can build your carburetors. I want these air cleaners, and I want this linkage, and I want you know this off road thing, or I want you know velocity stacks, or da 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 da, uh, or, or fuel line kits. And dude, if if I thought like twenty years ago or thirty years ago that we'd be selling thousand dollar sets of carburetors, I'd be like, you're on crack. Right. These are CAD runs, man. Right, right. But I mean, the, the benefit is that they run. And I've had Weber's, and uh, you know, I'm not a Weber guy. I, you go to the Baja Bug, they're on the Baja right now. They won't be next engine, but um, I, I've had the heat gun deal under my seat and find out which cylinder's not firing, go clean the idle jets, um, all the linkage slips. And, you know, I, I've done all that. And, and there's a time and a place for that. And, that's great. If you want to be the cool guy, we're not cool. We're just, I drive a 75 still. (laughs) I'm not one of the cool guys. You know, we, we run my car. You've seen the darn thing. Yeah. You know, we drive it to the racetrack every, we're in a pro eliminator class, like 19 cars in the class. And like, we're the only one that drives it there. Everybody's on a trailer, you know, um, now, t- have- let's let's talk about the drag car because you have a drag car that runs Cadrones, right? And it's that's what I'm talking. It's my car. It's my daily driver. It's a drag car because we put stickers on it. <laughs> so you drive that car to the grocery store? Yeah, go get donuts in that thing. Drive it to work. It's a fun car. Well, give drove- me the give me the breakdown on that car. What what what's the motor displacement? Well, we broke the crankshaft in half after eight years of the other motor. The other motor <laughs> had eight years of it. And I'm not kidding. We, we checked the valves every year and we changed the oil and did all that stuff. I did two valve adjustments in that car in eight years. And raced it. And raced it. And we put hundreds of passes on that car. And what was the best time in that car? Uh, on a quarter mile, we did 1295 at 101. 1295. What's the compression ratio? Uh, that motor was 10 to 1. 10 to 1. And right. I- What's the cam? So is, is this top secret stuff, or what's the camshaft in it and the heads? Uh, I did the heads myself. Um, they were 42, 37, 5, uh, AA500 castings. Um, it had Norris springs and retainers and, and all cool valve stuff in it from old Norris when they were in business. Uh, 408S cam and 125 rockers. Wow, and the OAS was a Doris Cam. Also. And that it's, motor, you beat the crap out of that motor. Daily drove it, and would and right. just drive it to the bug in, race it, and I mean, right. twelve a twelve nine. And what class you're running? You're running in uh, pro. What, what was that again? Pro Eliminator. Pro Eliminator, which is a um, that's a bracket class. It's a bracket class for all the pro cars that don't fit in another class. So, so when you say when we say it's a bracket class, it's a dial-in time, and you race right. against cars that run different, but it's all about consistency. 
Right. And we have to run on the eighth mile. We had to run uh, 850 or faster to qualify for the class. Oh, wow. And that's pretty quick. And that car runs 850 in the eighth? Yeah. So the very first race, we were, we were at like, we did two qualifying passes. We had one more class and they're, they're tapping their feet. They're saying like, hey, dude, um, you're not going to qualify. <laughs> And we're at like 8.56 or 8.58 or something like that. So I'm like, take the belt off. So what'd you so do? We five or something. And we qualified. And then, um, you know, we've actually won the whole, I don't know if you know that or not, but we've, we've won the whole Triple Crown series in that class. Really? In fact, last year, we tied for first place with uh, with Scott. Um, and we only... He only won first place. We would have won last year too, but he only won first place um, because uh, we had the same amount of points. But he had beat us head to head earlier in the year, and and we were winning the race, and where our throttle cable slipped, and we and that very last race, and we got eliminated. So and this know. this is on an eight year old motor. You're saying that? Yes, most of that. That race was the first time we put because we broke the crankshaft home. The, the February or whatever March mm-hmm. motor, we we won that race all the whole thing with all the cars and everything. We did we came first place. Then Miguel got on the freeway and got one exit down, and the crankshaft broke in half on the freeway on the way home. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so we built uh, a twenty one eighty because we figured we're you know we're just I had parts for a twenty one eighty. Right. We you know we. You've heard of a slats motor, right? A what motor? A slats motor. Uh-uh. It's shit laying around the shop. Oh, <laughs> okay. I have so now. Built, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, we built a slats motor. Basically, it was a, a 2180 that we had parts for um, that we were going to build another thing for a blast or whatever. And we put that in and finished the season out with that. And that's what's in the car now. We just ended up leave it in the car so we went smaller with it less compression and then still made the it's still under the under the time so really it's still, still right yeah so it's a 2180 now so it's you're down 200 cc's or 120 cc's and uh well less that? compression smaller heads uh smaller smaller modifications to the carburetors and we're still right there in that same time wow i mean that's for that that that's pretty impressive, and those and those carbs now and those carbs no flat spots run all day, stay in tune. You don't you're not doing crazy linkage adjustments and all that stuff. Is and is that the reason why you like the the the, the Cadron so much? Is because like you can that's do for the average guy. I mean, that's what really makes. Yeah, we like working on our cars when we want to work on our cars, but it's not fun working on your car in a Seven Eleven parking lot. Yeah. And this, it's like, it's funny because the linkage on them is like so archaic, but works so good. Well, the linkage that is the ball and socket linkage that, that MP makes for them and that has, is basically this a copy of the linkage that Cadron made for them years ago. Right. Uh, it, it's kind of goofy at it, 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 it best. Um, yeah. You know, we had to come up with a solution for that. So we the hind joint linkage is a lot better. It doesn't, the balls don't pop off, so you won't have a linkage problem on the side of the freeway when you're running on two cylinders. Um, everything's just more, it's, it's just better. 
So you guys, so you guys make upgraded linkage setups for it. Like you guys, so you guys do the whole thing. Like, like you said, they can go on your website and like say, okay, I'm going down the road of the Cadrons and I'm going to do right. this, 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 and this. No. And and you go really nuts. And sometimes, you know, we look at each other, we just go, like, who would buy this? Like, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> like $1,800 set of Cadrons, you know? And, okay, well, you've got every single thing. We make a, I make a hard line kit. I bet, you know, uh, um, at, because, you know, in a racing, in the drag racing, you have to have metal fuel lines or, or braided fuel lines. So, you know, the guys in the tech, you know, sometimes they'd like, uh, you know, they wink at you and like, hey, we'll let you through, you know, back in the early days. Right. But you can fix this, Jeff, you know. Uh, we can. So Miguel came home with this weird octopus looking stainless steel braided weird thing. And I'm like, you don't put that on your car. What the hell is that? So then we bought vendors and then we started. I, I'm like, all right. So we bought a bunch of sticks of stainless steel and we figured out the fittings and made a, we have a stainless steel hard fuel line kit now. So, um, I've been, I don't know, a couple hundred of those myself. And then finally we just like, Hey Jeff, let's get smart about this and send one sample out to somebody that has a CNC machine that can make all the bands for you. Right. And you know, we could put all the rest of it together. So yeah, we had the stainless hard line kits because it went on Miguel's car and then we took it to Sacramento and then, Oh man, I want one of those. Oh, I want one of these. Uh, okay. So it just kind of evolved from there. And then we have, you know, regulator kits and things. And um, I don't know. We have all the right stuff for all the wrong stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And when you say wrong stuff, you mean like the carburetor that everybody looks down on. Exactly. And the 75, my 75 car, nobody wants a 75, right? Dude, I can take the engine out of my car with carburetors on it. Because the no no side trace, right? Yeah, it's just drop in, drop out. Yeah, wow. it's the best car in the world, and it's a, it's that mine is a really rare seventy five. I didn't know when I bought it, but it's a it's a model you don't see anywhere. It's like it's called a model one ten. If you ever want to look that up, um, it's the super it, super beetle model one ten. No, it's a it's a standard bug. Oh it's, really? It's a model, and it has. No fresh air. No, no not the 110 that had 110 horsepower. No. <laughs> it's the racing model. It had no fresh air system. There's no vents in the hood or any of that. There's there's no, like, all those things that stick the headliner to the to the sides of it. You know, those little teeth that come out mm-hmm. in the door jams and on the firewall in the back. There was no insulation in the car. The headliner doesn't go down the door jams. It's just like an oval window headliner. Probably like a standard dad, headliner. It's just a weird car. It's a one-year-only USA import weird oh, car. Oh, so it's like a standard. It's a standard standard. Yeah, like no no vinyl yeah. on the door panels. No little moon in the on the side, you know, behind the rear window. Yeah. Uh, little plastic moon. There's no moon there. It's no carpet, a, just felt inside the car on the on the door and stuff. Yeah, it had all black trim originally and black mirrors and black headlight rings. Yeah, I, I have a 2003 Mexican Beetle that's pretty similar to standard Mexican. And I like it because it doesn't have any trim on it. There's no, there's no chrome, there's no molding on it because it was a standard beetle. So those were, those were things that didn't get, you know? Yeah. Trippy. 
Man, there's you know, there's there's so much. I mean, but in in a nutshell, really, I mean, the the pros and cons versus like a set of a Cadrones versus a set of Webers, right? If you're a, a beginner and you want performance and you and you don't want to be a tinkerer, you, you don't get off on like adjusting your linkage every, you know, couple right. of weeks and things running out and the motor warms up, it runs, it, it, it idles high and all that kind of stuff. If you want something that's bulletproof or in your opinion, the CAD, the Cadrones are bulletproof reliable. You can get just as much performance out of them and, and it's something that you just kind of set it, forget it, and just drive the crap out of it. You said it. I yeah. mean, that's no. I think that I think that I think that's awesome, man. I, I you know, it's one of the things. One of my my first double cabs that I had years back that I used to daily drive at work had a 1914 with a dual set of Cadrones on there, and I'm not a tinkerer. Once it's running good, I close the deck lid, and I'm lucky Great. to check the oil. You know what I mean? Like I'm that I'm that guy because I just want to drive, especially if it's my if it's my daily type thing. And I tell you, man, I had I, I just that other than like you said, the linkage would pop off every now and again, and nothing the little bailing wire can't fix. But uh, right. you know, it, it it's definitely something that when I had I've got a set of Cadrones on my um, on my limo bus right now because it's got a. A, a new Brazilian motor in it that my buddy put in before he passed away. And he put a set of, of Cadrones on there and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's two pumps and it starts, you know what I mean? Like yep. it just boom runs, not a lot of, I don't have a idle jet clogged all the time. I don't got, you know, it, it's, it's, a, right. it's, it's, it's an yeah. archaic carburetor and they're pretty bulletproof. When they're dialed in, man, they really work, and and they work for years and years and years. And you you know, I've dude, I've had guys in Canada, no no lie, I've, I've got guys in Canada that herd cattle with them, really, in the snow. You know, I mean, this it, it you know, don't need chokes, no, they just run. Okay, you're gonna have to. It's you know, I'm a little. It's thirty degrees outside. I'm a little slow getting out of bed in the morning, but once I'm warmed up, you know, I'm good for the day. Yeah. Yeah. They run in Hawaii. They run in Canada. They run in Alaska. They run. They just run. Man, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, there's there there's so much to these carburetors, and just that. But but what's great is you know through tuning these carburetors and messing with these throwaway carbs that people didn't have a lot of respect for, you're kind of one of the few guys out there that's pioneering like let's get these carbs. You know, let, let let's let's make carbs cheap again and get them to these guys and you know what I mean? Like doing your part to kind of help out the guy that doesn't have a ton, but wants, you know, wants his cake and eats it too, you know, with a, from the performance standpoint. Now, didn't they have a Cadron class at one time in the drag racing scene? Yes, they did. And what was uh, the story behind that? Involved in that. Uh, it was before my day, um, like professional day, I guess, you know, uh, and they did. They, I mean, those run, you've seen Joel's car that yeah. does really crazy. Yeah. He and, bought my, the, the red Puma that he races now is my old Puma. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that Puma again coming around. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, you can really do it at some point. Maybe we'll get into that part to see how far we can go with that. But, you know, uh, we got a buddy, Mikey, who's, um, uh, who's got the ugliest Volkswagen in the entire world. Um, other than Miguel's, they, I think they're tied. Miguel's right. tied all bad too. Um, but 
And we, we got, dude, I think we got 186 horsepower out of that thing. Really? Yeah. And, what's, and I mean, what size the motor? He's got a 2332 in that, and I think he's running 11 3 to 1, but he street drives that thing also. Really? That's crazy. Uh-huh. Now, have you. He beat me in my car. He beat our 2180. He beat, he's the best time that. And we all had 10 years in the building that motor together on Friday nights. Yeah. And, and have you. is Have you noticed that with these carburetors, because they're like so sloppy, yet you can tune them in so good. Have you um, have you found that they're not as sensitive to compression ratio changes as the other carburetors? Um, well, I have a theory on that. I think realistically what my opinion is or whatever, when you're running IDAs and all the big stuff, you're allowing more air to get in the into the system the more air that gets in there the more it's going to compress when you the higher compression ratio you have so when you're not allowing as much air in you know to to reach that same cylinder pressure you can use a compression ratio that is effectively higher on paper because you're not using it compressing as much the volume of air is not as much so let's say if you have a camshaft that you're running like let's say an angle 110 like okay we you know you people want to run eight and a half to one right yeah on a 110 whatever it's like that's the number or or maybe they go nine to one if they're you know whatever um i'm gonna say with with catrones you can run 10 to one in that um the, the engines that I'm building for our car, for the, 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 the quote race car or whatever, mm-hmm. are really street engines, and they're not meant to wind out at 7,200 RPM. My power band is done. My camshaft, my heads, and everything designed. My power sh- power band is done at, at this motor, especially at like six grand, because I want it for longevity. I want it to be fast. I want it to be through the power band, be streetable, not have to rev the engine at the intersection to 3000 RPM to keep it running. You know, if we wanted to build a race car, which is more along the lines of what Mikey's doing mm-hmm. and we're helping, you know, we're all experimenting with this stuff. Then yeah, you can, you know, run more compression and do different things in different camshafts. Um, that's going to allow that, that compression, that extra compression, but you're going to give up something at the bottom end of that. And that's not what I want out of a daily driver, out of a street car. Right. You know, I've got a five, in that thing, I've got a Berg 5 in it. So I put down the freeway. Miguel takes that thing. He's taking it into San Diego and raced to the drag races and drove it back. You know, I mean, it's it's not like we're just driving to Irwindale, you know, 10 miles away. We're, it's, we get in the thing and go. If, if I want to come to Vegas, then I'll get in the car and go try to Vegas in it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you're not going to do that with the Red Baron, right? No. What ain't happening. <laughs> no, that's too cool, man. I think there's – I think there's – there's a lot of potential and it's, and it's maybe something that's not talked about enough for some of those guys that want a little bit of performance. They, they want, they don't have the money, but they want to do, they, they want to put in the time and energy into it. I think it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that's, that's out there and that's a, a, a an area that they can go in, which is why you know, the reason I wanted to do the podcast with you. So open up some of those ideas, some of those people that uh, are looking for, you know, ways to build their own little bit of performance there. You know, yeah, and have it reliable. 
Yeah. And that's, yeah. You know, I don't know if that guy, dude, I don't want to be under that car every weekend. Yeah, I hear you. He just want to, you want to set it and free, like the Ronco, just set it and forget it, man. So forget it. Well, cool, <laughs> man. Well, look, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, in the future, if you guys have anything coming up or anything like that, and you wanted to, you know, give me a shout and kind of give me some insight on it. Um, yeah. Duffy love to, to, to help you get the word out on whatever you guys are working on. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Probably the best way is on the email through the website, you know, caddyshack.com. Um, you know, my, my name is Jeff Lane, um, Jeff, J E F F L A I N at caddyshack.com. You can call us also. I mean, there's two of us. We're kind of just, you know, Miguel and I, um, we're not a big outfit, you know, and I'm shipping boxes and cleaning toilets and building carburetors and whatever else needs to happen. Customers come in. I mean, we have a whole little store and stuff. So, you know, we're the, the, the community neighborhood, old school, just Volkswagen place, man. You don't have that in Arkansas. You don't have that in Alaska or wherever. I mean, we're blessed, man. We're, we have a neat little place to be and it's fun. Yeah, It's a fun, it's not work, man. It's fun. No, that's, listen, man, that's awesome. I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's refreshing to see that in, in, in the, that it's still out there in the hobby. There's lots of people that are just out there enjoying what they're doing every day and, and get to be a positive aspect to the VW scene, you know, and I appreciate you for, for what you're putting out there, man. It's definitely something cool. And, uh, it, it, it's, you know, like I said, when I checked out your website, just how much free content you have on there for people, some guy sitting in his garage, frustrated, he can get on there and probably yeah. get a lot of his stuff sorted just going through yeah. your instruction manuals on your website. Yeah, definitely. And pick up the phone. We're there, man. You know, it's just, there's two of us. So if there's somebody else in the store, you know, it's what it is, but we'll always call you back. And we're just a couple of nice guys that like doing what we do. No, I dig it, man. Well, well, well Jeff, thanks so much, man, for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me on here and, you know, it's cool. It's really neat. It's special. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being a great part of the VW scene. You got it, dude. Right on. Well, if you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share it with a friend. Also, if you enjoyed it, five-star review, Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star review. Don't forget to leave your name in the verbiage, and you will get a shout-out on Let's Talk Dub. So appreciate you guys. Also, if you want to support, go pick up some merch. I have sweatshirts available on the podcast for chilly time of the year. So go check them out at letstalkdubs.com. Click on the store tab and pick up a sweatshirt today. Support your boy and get a shout out on the podcast. So I appreciate you guys for supporting and uh, look forward to getting back from my trip this weekend on Hot Rod Power Tour West. Keep an eye out uh, on your uh on your Instagram and all that good stuff. See if you see me. Uh, if you see me, say hey. Uh, if you see a picture of me, tag me in it. Anyway, until next week, guys. Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.